0: Uh, If you want to turn in your Bible, if I can find my own Bible here, okay, there we go, Luke chapter 22. I've preached on this passage many times, and I want to use it for today. It's a great passage when you look at it, and uh, one of the fellows that we really identify in the Bible is with the Apostle Peter, because he was so human, wasn't he? And uh, he was just like most of us. He had problems, so do we. And so, I want to speak about that. Uh, Title of my message this morning, it's time to get off our high horse. It's time to get off our high horse. Uh, You know, one of the things that I came out of was legalism. And uh, legalism, uh, they are self-righteous. Look at me, I'm superior, I'm better than you. You don't go by our rules, our preferences. So you're not as spiritual as we are. And uh, you know, you'd be around those people. Even now, I'll come across somebody that's still that way and and they look at you. It just oozes out of their pores almost. I, it's hard to explain. You feel like they're judging you. Anybody ever feel that way around some people? And uh, uh, that's the truth. And it boils down to pride. And uh, we have that. But then, uh, you know... Uh, God delivered me from that. I began to, to see grace, and eventually I came to the grace message in the sense of rightly dividing. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that, but then as I get into the grace message, I come across and find there are grace people that are also legalists, and it oozes out of them sometimes. <laughs> and so you kind of try to balance the thing. I don't want to become a part of that, actually. And I uh, just want to be a Bible believer. Amen? Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Peter, of course, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. I'll be with those other verses in just a second, fellas. As Christ did Peter, God knows that we believers in our life, we fail him. I personally believe that God sympathizes with us. And the reason I do is because he knows we have a sinful nature. Uh, We have a sin principle in us. Uh, We have our flesh. And those things are a daily warfare, aren't they? And I really believe God is good to us in grace because he understands those circumstances now to help us to be able to do this and and live beyond that is he's given us the holy spirit we who are saved he's given us the word of god he's given us uh, our family Uh, he's given us the church he's given us prayer he's given us hope that One day this old life will be over and we'll be with glory not having to worry about these things. And so he's given us a number of these things to be able to make it. But if we don't avail ourselves to those things, we begin to go downhill, don't we? We begin to be spiritually cold toward the things of God. And you can kind of tell when that begins to happen in our lives. Like one is is that we lose interest in Christ's fellowship and in our priorities. You know, in order for us to make this shift in our Christian walk from God and his ways and his will for our life and priorities, all of a sudden we become negative. We begin to complain about this person, that person, and we begin to go to the wrong, follow with wrong people, run around with them, wrong places, Before long, you're doing wrong practices, aren't you? And that's when you start getting away from the Lord. Another way you can tell is we lose the desire for church. Uh, Once we were on fire for God, once we loved our church, wanted it to really go forward, we were involved, we were faithful, but now we just sort of hit and miss. And boy, we can come up with excuses why we're not faithful to the house of God, can't we? It's amazing what we say sometimes. I wonder what the Lord thinks on those days. But yet, we can be unfaithful on Sunday, and the very next day, we can go right to work, no problem whatsoever. Isn't that interesting? It's quiet in this place today. Now, number three, we begin to hit and miss with our devotions and Bible study. One time, we were sensitive, excited about God's presence in our life and in the church's life. When we would sin, it would break our hearts for sinning. But for some reason now, we become somewhat hardened. We begin to excuse sin. We begin to justify sin in our life. And when the preacher preaches a word, the word doesn't have as much effect on us as it used to have when we were really doing it right for God. And then, number four, we become less faith-oriented when difficulty comes. That's interesting to me. Before we had faith in God, confidence in God, we trusted God with our very, very life, and then all of a sudden we kind of drift and our flesh takes over and begins to be in control. And when our flesh takes control, then the devil takes control of us, and we are taken captivity by him at his will in our life. Even though we're saved, that can take place And then we begin to suffer the consequences of straying away from God. Uh, You know, you stray from God, you begin to get out from that umbrella of protection, you begin to reap what you sow, and that begins to happen. Well, the context here, Christ's words must have shook Peter up. Uh, He's just talking to him. I mean, it's at the Last Supper that he says this. Now, remember, Peter's a great man. He's the one who stood up, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But here in Luke chapter 22, notice verse 33 and 34, if you would. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. I'm sure that was a shock to Peter who said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to go. If we die, we die. And he said, I'm going to do what? I'm going to deny you? And perhaps there are some people here this morning, you're close to straying away from God. Perhaps you're close to sinning against God. Remember Christ said in Luke twenty-two thirty-two, 32, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, when you're turned around doing what's right, once again, strengthen thy brethren. You see, Peter had a strong faith. So, what's Christ talking about here? Be converted from what? Now, once again, remember what he said in Matthew 16. He said, He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou Simon Barjonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. What a statement. Who you are? You're him. <laughs> you're the one that the prophets prophesied about it. And you're here, and we're followers of yours. But the next few verses tells us where Peter had a problem. It states in verse 20, he says this, Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Momentarily, Peter allows the spirit of Satan to influence him. And he says, I'm not going to allow you to go to a cross and die. You see, Peter here, he didn't want to believe that the Savior, his Messiah, would have to go to the cross. Now, remember this, that at this time, the apostles and disciples understood nothing about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've given you the verses hundreds of times. Luke chapter 18, verse 31. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted upon, and they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things and these things were hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. When he talked about going to the cross and rising from the grave and so on, they didn't comprehend it. So Peter here, he's seeing this, and he does he's having a hard time with it. And this is what Christ is referring to, Peter, when you're converted. When you come to understand the fact that I'm going to go to the cross and die and rise from the grave again. And when did Peter do that? Then come the Simon, the following went into the sepulchre and seeth the linen cloth lie and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre, he saw and he believed. It was not until after the resurrection was Peter converted. Was Peter coming to the fact that he knew that Christ had died and that he had risen. Peter had thought Christ when him dying it would be over. Peter didn't understand why it was coming down this way. After his denials no doubt Peter was thinking You know, Jesus graced me, blessed me, sheltered me, helped me, was so proud of me, counted on me, trusted in me. How could I have let him down? Have you ever been to that place? You fall into sin as a believer. You say, how in the world did I get here? How could I have done this? Notice the moment, what this did to Peter. In John, or in Luke, chapter 22, verse 60, Luke 22, verse 60, and Peter said, "Man, I know not what thou sayest." And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. That was the third time. Now get this: This is Christ being tried, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Can you imagine that very moment that Peter, who said, I'll die for you, here he's denied him three times and he looks over and Jesus, being tried, turns around and looks at him. Can you imagine the feeling, that moment at that time? How low he must have felt. And sometimes we can get into some sins we create and we get pretty low sometimes, don't we? God help us and he wants to help us. But remember, that's not the end of the story, amen? You see, Satan had a, temporarily, a temporary victory in Peter's life. And perhaps Satan's had a little victory in your life or a big victory, but that's not the war. That was just the battle. There are other battles. You need to get up and start going for Christ. Remember, none of our failures of sin, none of them are justified. I understand that. When we sin, we grieve God, and we'll pay the price for it because we reap in this life what we sow. But God also is gracious, and God does not give up on us. Amen? if we would get back up and follow him, he might even use us to help people who have sinned like we had done. God does that sometimes. Remember, he said, strengthen thy brethren. When he said that, he said, listen, after, after you're converted, Peter, I want you to know something. I still love you and I still want to use you. And I am going to use you. And boy, did he use him. Amen. If we only would get up, we might have some scars because of our sin. We might have to limp a little bit. But when we do that, that's not to defeat us. That's to remind us of the greatness of the grace of God. That he was willing to reach down and pick us up. So we learn through our hurt, and we put in place things that will help us to prevent that from ever taking place again in our life. Amen? And it's more than just stopping. It's replacing it with the things of God so you won't get back there. Amen? And I've heard people all over the years, well, I stopped. I'm thinking myself, okay, what have you put in place so that you don't go back there? And that's what God wants us to do. And our failure should remind us how fleshly weak we truly are and we are in desperate need of God's help, his strength, his wisdom. I love the Lord. And when I fail, it does break my heart. Doesn't it break your heart? But I'm also no that God's grace is sufficient. And regardless of what we've done as a believer, God says, I still love you. You're one of mine. If you're saved, from now on, I want you to start living for me. So let's get up from where you are. And I've noticed that God uses people who have had broken lives. Whether they're saved, like David, or whether they were lost, like Mary Magdalene. Religious Nicodemus, the woman at the well, the Kadarian man, the woman taken in the very act of adultery, and then even our apostles, Saul of Tarsus. There are two quick lessons I want you to get this morning. Very simple as I come down the stretch. Remember this, the value of humility. There's a difference between a believer who has humility and a believer who's full of pride. Amen. Humility. We're not as hot as we think we are. No one's beyond temptation or faltering. First Corinthians ten twelve. Wherefore let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. James four six. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The one who has humility is the one who can defeat the devil. And the one who has pride, he's at the devil's mercy. Amen? That's just very, very simple. Humility means to be yielding, to have meekness. That means to have strength that's under control. Christ had it. Philippians 2 6 says, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Christ was humble. Moses, Numbers 12 3. Now, the man man Moses was very meek. Above all men which were up on the face of the earth. Paul, in Acts chapter 20, verse 18, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mine with many tears. Paul was a humble man. He states in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. If it weren't for the grace of God, I'd be nothing. That's what he's suggesting there. You know, Moses, he had problems with his flesh of anger. He would get angry. He got angry and killed the Egyptian. He got angry and he smoked the rock. He got angry and he told the Lord, he got mad at himself and he told the Lord to, to kill him. <laughs> then you think, not only Moses, Paul. He lets us know the flesh draws upon us. Here's what we're fighting. Galatians 5, 19. Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Here's what we fight. Which are these? Adultery. Fornication, uncleanness, lavishness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as i also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. James 1 4, 14 says this, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own flesh his own lust, and enticed. So Paul says, that's what we're up against. That's why we need to be humble enough to say, I need God's assistance, and I can't do this in my own strength and be full of pride. Paul gives the answer then. He says in Galatians 6, 1 through 3, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest I also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man, thinking himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Amen. Romans thirteen fourteen. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Don't place yourself in positions where it's going to entice and set on fire your flesh. You know why? You'll do it. That's the problem. Galatians five seventeen. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you that you would. And then he tells us the next verse. This I say: Then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Spurgeon said Christians have the choice to be humble or be humbled. Amen? So, we need to have humility. But then, pride is the enemy that brings us down. Pride will defeat us. It states this in Proverbs sixteen five. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. It's an abomination for us to be full of ourselves. Amy Carmichael said this, Those who think too much of themselves don't think enough. Chuck Swindoll said, The world's smallest package is a person wrapped up in himself. Amen? God says again in Proverbs twenty-six, twelve: 12, Everyone that is proud, well, and that's the wrong one, seest thou a man wise in his own conceit. There's more hope of a fool than of him. Amen? You see, pride is haughty, braggart, arrogant, boastful, puffed up. Having that prideful spirit, having a high view of ourselves. That happened to Satan, didn't it? The first sin ever committed was pride. I will be like the most high God. Nebuchadnezzar, he says, I am a God. Next moment, you see him eating grass. The Pharisees. God warns us, Proverbs 16, 18. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. He says this in Proverbs 6, 16, 17. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven, are abomination unto him. And the first one is a proud look. You see, pride focuses on self. And that makes a form of self-worship. What we're saying is we don't need anything or anybody else. We can do it in our own strength. We can handle anything. Peter said, I'll never deny you. But he failed. And he lost so much. When you're full of pride, you're going to lose a lot. Peter, he lost his intimacy with God. His heart was broken. His testimony was stained. His service was stopped. His fire for Christ quenched. His co-labors were let down. His family were left in embarrassment, and he let his Messiah down. And let me say something to you. You think you can go out and do sin any old time you want, and you can But to think that it doesn't just affect you, it affects others. Sin always affects others. Now, I'm coming down a stretch. I want to show you why it's so important. The response of one who has pride and one who has humility. For example, salvation. Pride, the Pharisee. God I thank you I'm not like these other people. I'm something special. You know, I've done a lot for the church. You know, I've tithed. I've done this. I've done that. A lot of good works. You all be proud of me, God. That's pride. And he went straight to hell. But the other guy, the publican, humility. God, be merciful to me, a sinner and he went home justified. Humility responds differently, doesn't it? Or when somebody falters, if a person's full of pride, they look down on that person. They condemn them, they judge them, they criticize them, they gossip about them. They're like the world. Just throw them away. But humility is not that way. Humility has the ability to demonstrate grace and give people some slack. Amen? People need slack. I know that I do in my own life. I make mistakes, no question about it. Because we know that on our best days, we still sin. On our best days, we still sin. Do you remember the guy in 1 Corinthians 6 there? He was having an uh, uh immorality with his stepmother. And, God, and Paul said, boy, I've already judged this guy. You should have put him out. But later on, the man repented. And what did Paul say then, 2 Corinthians, fellas, if you would? Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many they said all kinds of things about him so that contrarywise you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow wherefore i beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him when the fellow showed humility that he was wrong That's when God moves in. And that's when we who have been saved by grace, we are to demonstrate grace. Amen? There are people today, you've fallen, you've done different things or whatever it might be, and you you want the circumstances to change. You want certain things to stop. You want the joy of your salvation to return to your heart and to your life. You need to have humility. You see, pride will hold us back from the will of God for our life. And it's interesting, when God begins to speak to one's heart, it's almost as if pride kind of whispers, not literally, but in our mind and our conscience. It, It begins to whisper, you know, you don't need this. This message is for other people. You're okay within yourself. So you don't get up and go for God. But humility says, this was for me. See, pride says, I don't want other people to see me in a bad light. Whereas humility says, I don't care who sees me. God, here I am. You see the difference in responses? Humility will cause us to humble ourselves back to God and credit Peter, amen? He needs to be pat on the back because he reached out for that grace and was converted. John chapter 21 says this, Simon Peter, this is after the resurrection, saith, I, saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast. Therefore, and now they were not able to draw draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, <laughs> a naked fisherman, how about that, <laughs> and did cast himself into the sea. So he could be with Jesus. So so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these, than all these fishes and all these other disciples? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, Feed my lambs. You see, Peter responded in a proper way, in humility. And when he heard it was the Lord, he didn't let anything stop him back from getting to the presence of God there. Amen? And as a result of that, was Peter ever used again? Oh, my. He was used greatly at the beginning of Pentecost and for the next year. What a giant he was. But he had a failure in his life. But he overcame that. He got up, and he got back right with God. And I say to you believers today, wherever you are in your sin, it's time to step back up and get up. And if you do that, remember, Jesus has open arms. He loves you. He cares for you. And the fact that you're here this morning... He's given you another opportunity, another chance to say to him, God, I've sinned. God, I, 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 you know I have. But God, I'm reaching up to your mercy and your grace and your love. God, I'm getting back up. I want to do it your way from now on.
1: God honors
0: that heart of humility and no telling what God could do in and for your life. Amen? And you're here today, and you've never been saved. You don't know where you will go when you die. You think you might. You're not sure. Or you just say, I know where I'm going. And it's not heaven. Let me just say, Christ has even provided for you. Christ one day was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life, for 33 years. There is a reason for that because on a cross he became the substitute, the sacrifice that was sinless sacrifice on an old cross. And there he took all of your sin and he died for all your sins. And he was buried. And three days later he rose from the grave. And that is because now A living Savior, He can justify you. He can make you have a right relationship before Almighty God the Father. And all you need to do is join the church, no, be baptized, give your money, live by the Ten Commandments. All you have to do is believe God, I know I'm a sinner. Let's bow our heads right now. Just right where you are. Why don't you pray this right where you are? God, I I know I'm a sinner. But God, I do believe that Jesus Christ is your son. He died for my sin, was buried, and rose again. because of what he's done, I believe that's enough to save me from all my sins for all eternity. I believe from my heart. And friend, if you just did that in your heart, At the end of the service, why don't you come up? And I have a booklet here for new believers. It'll help you in your walk in Christ. Father, we love you today. Challenge us. Help us not to get so wrapped up with the cares of this world. Help us to set our affections on things above, not on things on earth. Lord, we believe you're coming back soon. Help find us ready because we're living and being like Christ. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.